Welcome to a powerful message from the Lighthouse Chapel International, Bronx North Branch. Lighthouse Chapel International branches worldwide provide every member the training, support, and encouragement to fulfill the Great Commission and to go to heaven and hear Jesus say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. We are grateful in the name of Jesus. Amen. Oh, why don't you clap your hands together for Jesus? And you may be seated. Hallelujah. Tonight we want to continue with the message of Alos. And I believe um, after tonight we may put a pause on this message as we enter our 527 season. Amen. So, um, I believe um, about a week, uh, two weeks ago, we were on chapter two, and we were talking about the principles of Alos, the principles of Alos. And um, first of all, for those of you who have not been here, we've been talking about Alos, another of the same kind. Alos is a Greek word. That means another of the same kind. As creative as the Almighty God is, He wants us to reproduce after a kind. Amen. Amen. To be another of the same kind. And we have realized that to Live your life in this form is a great blessing. It is good. Say, Alos is good. Say, if God likes Alos, then Alos is good. Hallelujah. So, we're talking about principles of Alos. And um, we have talked about several of the principles. One, we said, when you become an Alos, you discover the truth that there is nothing new under the sun. You will discover the truth that there is nothing new under the sun. Isn't that so? We read a scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse number 9. Let's look at it from verse 8. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse 8. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse 8. Are you with me? It says, All things 
are full of labor. All things are full of labor. Everything is full of labor. And it says, man cannot order or man cannot say it. We just can't say it. Isn't that so? Sometimes things are full of labor, but we just don't say it. Is it true? Yeah. It says man cannot say it, or man cannot alter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. You see, you need to be able to say and admit that all things are full of labor. All things are full of labor. Everything that you are trying to do is full of labor. Amen. Depending on how you approach it. You see? And then he says, the eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. That is the problem. So he says, the thing that had been, it is that which shall be, and that which is done, it is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. There is no new thing under the sun. On this earth, in this world, there is no new thing. Hallelujah. Then he says, is there anything whereof it may be said, see, this is new. So you finally discover something. And you say, along us, look, this is new. He said, is there anything that can be said, whereof it may be said, see, this is new. It had been done already of old time, which was before us. It had been done already of old time, which was before us. It's amazing. So when you become an alos, this is what you discover. It's a truth that you will discover that there is nothing new under the sun. Number two, we said becoming an alos is advantageous because you are becoming something that is already successful and working. How many of you want to become something that is successful and working? The key to become that is alos. Or you want, how many of you want to become something that is an experiment? An experiment, your life is being used as an experiment until... You want your life to be something that is working, something that is successful. You want to take a, a, a course that is already working. You don't want to take a course that the world is going to try. Or, yes. Number three, it says, becoming an alloy saves you from the disadvantage of having to create a new name. It's not easy to make a name. It's not easy to make a name. We have a lot of brews in this church, but brew, is that, it doesn't go far. Some of them, they are being erased already, you know. It's not easy to make a name. Number four, becoming an alos makes you humble. Makes you humble. If not for anything, for this point, it makes alos very precious. If not for anything, that 
if there's anything that can make you humble, I will advise you to go for it. Amen. Amen. I will advise you to go for it. Because you'll be pleasing in the sight of the Lord. Hallelujah. You will attract favor to yourself. If there's anything that that will make you humble. Number five. He says, becoming an allos makes you dependent and sheep-like. It makes you dependent and sheep-like. It makes you depend on someone. And you become like a sheep. As God intends for us to be. He says, he's the shepherd and we are his sheep. Hallelujah. Becoming an allos gives you access to strategies and formulae that have worked for your kind. Number six. And number seven, becoming an allos makes you a member of a particular group. Becoming an allos makes you a member of a particular group that you flow with. Amen. Becoming an allos, number eight, becoming an allos gives you an easy road to ministry. That is the easiest road to ministry. That is a key to ministry. It is because of allos that the United Denomination has so many pastors. That is the only reason why so many pastors have been born out of this church. Allos. Amen. It is the easiest means to ministry. Hallelujah. I don't see why you want to be so authentic. You want to be so original. You want to be something that has never existed before. You want to preach a message that no one has ever preached the message that when you open the Bible, it's like this page of the Bible, no one, or you want to read a scripture that no one has read in the Bible. You know, sometimes you feel like, as for this scripture, it's like, wow. So you go to Habakkuk looking for some strange scriptures and Obadiah looking for some strange... Your main reason for reading Obadiah is to find a particular scripture that is so strange and then you come and quote it and the people, is this in the Bible? Is that... <laughs> That you cannot even nehum. And then the, you look at the people's face. You say, you don't know there's a book in the Bible called Nehum. You see, why do you want to be? You see, if God says Alos is good, then run for Alos. After all, God is the one that we are trying to please. And if he says it is good, if he says walk this path and become a minister, why are you trying to Find some other path that has never existed. Number nine, it says, when you become an allos, you move into new areas of ministry faster. You move into new areas of ministry faster. Becoming an allos quickens your rate of advancement in life and ministry. And at this point, that is, it, says it quickens your rate of advancement in life and ministry. You see, let us be wise and welcome this principle. And say, if we want to have a faster rate of advancement in life and in ministry, the key is allos. The key to go that way is allos. Amen. 
It quickens your rate of advancement. It says you will not be slowed down by the things that slowed other people down. You will not be slowed down because you will bypass those paths because when you are following someone and you realize that this person followed this path and the person was stuck, you will not go there. If I'm going to a place and I say, follow me, and then I take lead, and then I get, I get somewhere and I'm stuck in traffic, and I tell you, I had this path, this exit, when you take it, you'll be stuck in traffic. Are you going to come the same exit? But you will take another path and you'll be there faster than I am. You will reach there and I'm still in the traffic. Isn't that so? And it's just common sense. This is just wisdom. It's just using common sense. Hallelujah. Number 10. Understanding allows helps you when you encounter difficulties. I believe this is where we reach. Is it so? Number 10. Did, we, did I give you number 10? Understanding allows helps you when you encounter difficulties. When you encounter difficulties. Hallelujah. It says, have you ever wondered why doctors are calm in the face of apparent emergencies? You see, when you go to the hospital, you wonder how you think there's an emergency and doctors are calm. You see, something happens to you at home and then you are calling people to rush, call the ambulance, you have to get to the hospital immediately. Isn't that so? You want to get to the hospital immediately and then the ambulance tells you, oh, um, we will take you this way. You say, no, take me here. You want the fastest place. And then you get to the emergency room and then they're asking for your insurance. They're asking for your card. And then they're asking for your name, your address. You, you have come with emergency. You are running here. And then you reach there, you want to see the doctor. And then when the, the person that takes your, all this information, when he's done, he says, go and sit down. <laughs> Meanwhile, you are fighting at home that someone is delaying you. You want to get to the emergency room urgently. You see? And then they say, sit down. The person that takes your temperature and your blood pressure, and then you say, where is heading? You say, your abdomen. They push your abdomen. You say, okay, sit down. And then you'll be sitting down and sitting down and sitting down. Sometimes you'll sit down until the pain goes away. And then if you are angry, you can get up and go home. Isn't that so? You see, because what you have brought, the thing that you have brought is nothing new. It's nothing new. It is emergency to you. You see? But for the people who are working there, they have seen this thing. Ah, there is nothing new under the sun. So this pain that you have come with that you think is an emergency, to them it's not an emergency. So you are surprised how the, you have run here, you pass red lights and all kinds of things, and then the nurse just taking your blood pressure with some leisure, slowly wrap the thing around your arm, put the thermometer in your mouth, you know, and she can't, 
you can you'll be amazed even to go and find a pregnant nurse, a nurse that is pregnant. She's going to get a thermometer, and then you have an emergency. And she's going to get a thermometer, and she's and then she comes back, and and then the blood pressure thing didn't cycle well, and then she put it again. <laughs> And then she leaves the thing in your mouth and then she's talking to her colleague. You know, the thing is in your mouth. And the thing has beeped and she's talking to her colleague. Amen. Now, we'll be tired if you say, Miss, I have an emergency here. Then, two hours added to your issues. <laughs> two hours. Add it to your chart. Plus two hours. <laughs> next shift. They will sign you out to the next shift. You become a sign out to the next shift. <laughs> Amen. Do you see? So it's emergency to you. But there is nothing new under the sun. To them, there is nothing new under the sun. Amen. It is because they have seen many other situations of the same kind. When you meet an allos problem or crisis, you are calm because you know this kind. You overcome it faster because you have been taught, you have been taught about this kind of situation. Hallelujah. That is allos. You know, you see the problem, you say, you have seen this before. This is not new. I have seen this kind of problem before. And so there's nothing that is moving you. As people are running and they are rushing, an alone person is just calm. Oh, yes. Sometimes you see, in the hospital, you see someone is having a, some crisis. A patient is having a crisis, and then you see the residents are running. You know, just, oh, can you get the... Um, can you get the ultrasound? And then you see the person is right. No, 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 no. Just go get the ultrasound. You see? Because they see there's an emergency. You know? Get this and then get, get syringe. And then the person is running. Get this and the person. And then, some, and then they look at somebody who is just calm. And they wonder why you are so calm. Because you have seen this thing before. And you know where it's going to end. Do you understand? You know where it's going to end. You have seen this thing before and looking at this rhythm and this person that they have brought in and how long the person has been there and they said this, is, this person was found down after several hours and they, you know where it's going to end. So there's nothing that is moving you. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? Yeah. That which has been done. Amen. So if God says there is nothing new under the sun, then it means that there is no problem that you will ever encounter that has not happened to other people before. There is no problem. No problem that you will ever encounter that you can say that this is a very unique problem. I have never seen something like this before. There's no problem like that. Amen. And once again, the problem that you are encountering It is because of something that you are trying to do or something that you are trying to have. 
That is the reason why you have the problem in the first place. Isn't that so? If you are having a problem, the reason why you are having the problem is because of something that you are trying to do or something that you are trying to gain or something that you are trying to possess. If you're trying to have something, then you encounter the problem. Poverty, for instance. Poverty is not a new problem. Just by the way, for those of you who think you are the first person who is broke, poverty is not a new problem. In Mark chapter 14, verse 7, Jesus said that, that. He said, the poor you will always have with you. You will always have the poor with you. And so, if you want to do some good, you may do it. But for him, you don't have him forever. As for the poor, you will always have with you. Yeah. He says, for ye have the poor with you always. And whensoever ye will, ye may do them good. But me, ye have not always. So poverty is not new. Poverty has been around for a long time and will always be here. It is your approach to poverty that will create some problem for you or some difficulties for you. Isn't that so? Your approach to poverty will define the types of difficulties that you will encounter. One person will approach poverty by trying to get a degree. Isn't that so? Your, your way of fighting poverty, something that, is, that has always been there, your way of fighting it, you choose to get a degree to fight poverty. And in the course of having the degree, or in the course of trying to have the degree, you encounter problems. It is because of your choice of fighting poverty this way that you are encountering problems of sleeplessness, problems of having to pass examination, problems of having to write papers, problems of having to sit in a classroom, sleepy, and all kinds of things. It's because you have chosen to fight this old problem of poverty this way. But poverty itself is nothing new. Another person will also choose to fight poverty or combat poverty by trying to become a hairdresser, for instance. Braid hair. That is the person's choice or the person's plan to fight (laughs) poverty. Do you understand? So that person, that person will not have that problem of having to stay up all night to read a book and having to write papers and having to know what the professor is really looking for. She doesn't need to know that. So she doesn't have the same problem that you have. But all of you have the common problem that exists forever, which is poverty. Isn't that so? It is your approach that is created a problem. It is your approach. So you who is trying to get a degree, you never have issue with how you are going to buy dryer, hair dryer, and shampoo, and all kinds of... That will not be your problem. Isn't that so? But your approach, your approach to the problem is what creates a problem for you. Your approach to the problem. 
Amen. Do you have a car? Okay. My friend, do you have a car? Okay. What is the name of your car? What is the name of your car? You see, he has a Mazda. He has a Honda. Do you change your, do you have the problem of changing your oil on your car? You don't change your oil. (laughs) You don't get that problem of having to change the, the oil on your car. You change your oil. So every so often, there's a problem of a need to change the oil on your car, on your Honda. Now, do you have the problem of having to change the oil on your car? Okay. How about the tires on your car? You do change it. How about you? Do you change the tires on your car? You have Mazda. You have Honda. Do you have problem with parking sometimes? <laughs> finding parking spots. Do you also have sometimes you have problem with finding parking spots? You see, so the problem is not in Honda or Mazda. The problem is a car. That when you have a car, you have a problem. Do you understand? So, it is not in the type of car that you are driving that is giving you the need for these problems, but the decision that you have made that I will own a car, it has caused you to now have the problem of having to change your oil, whether it is Mazda or it was Honda, whatever car, you have the same problem. Isn't that so? Do you have a problem of sometimes your husband has gone to work and he has not come and you are worried? You don't have that problem. You don't even have that problem. That you are worried about my husband has not come home and he has arrived, he didn't call me. Do you have the problem of if your husband has not come home and he has not called you and you get, you do get that problem. Do you have the problem of you know, you have spent some money and the man is not happy and you bought something. And Do you have the problem you have spent the money and the man is not happy and you don't have that problem? You see? You see, these two people have different problems. You see? Her choice has caused her to have certain problems that she doesn't have because she has not made that choice yet. Do you understand? But you will be wise. You will be wise to know from our laws that the day that you decide to make that decision that she has made, our you are also going to inherit the same problem. It will be unwise for you to say that as for me, when I marry, my husband will go to work and will come home 6 p.m. when he closes at 5.30, there will be no traffic, he will come home. It will be unwise to say that, as for me, when I go shopping, I can spend all I want and my... You'll be unwise. Because there is nothing new under the sun. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? Are you married? Are you married? 
have a problem <laughs> of sometimes close your eyes and close your ears do you have a problem or sometimes you are trying to make certain moves and people are having headaches and sometimes you do do you have certain problems that sometimes you are trying to make certain moves and people have headaches and Do you have a problem with sometimes somebody has done her hair and you didn't notice it and the person is angry? Do you have a problem that sometimes somebody has done her hair and you didn't notice it and the person is angry? Do you have a problem that somebody has some tiny earring on her ear and you didn't see it and the person is not happy that you didn't see it? Do you also have that problem? And you also have a problem that somebody has worn something really nice and she was waiting for some compliment you didn't give it and the person was angry. You also have that problem. So you see, do, you see it is not because you, are, you, have married, you have married Natasha and you have also married... Um, you see, the, the, the problem is not because of who you have married. The problem is because you are married. You have married a wife. And so, the problem that you have, he also has the same problem. There is nothing new under the sun. There is nothing new. Do you understand? So, it would be unwise for you, if you are getting married, not to look at the problems that other people have experienced. It would be unwise. It would be unwise to say that my marriage is authentic. This is supernatural. This, as for our marriage, it will be unwise. It will be unwise. Amen. I say it will be unwise. It will be unwise for you to think that your problems are new. You see, so it's unwise for one to say that, why me? Why, what, what do you mean, why me? It's unwise to say, why me? Amen. I say, alos is good. Alos is good. Tell your neighbor, alos is good. First Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. First Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. It says, They have no temptation taking you but such as is common to man. There hath no temptation. Say no temptation. no temptation. There hath no temptation taking you such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. But will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Amen. The Bible says there is no temptation. Say no temptation. It says there is no temptation, no difficulty that you will ever experience such as is common to man. You will not experience any problem that man has not experienced before. You will not experience any difficulty that man has not experienced before. Is somebody understand what I'm sharing with you? You will not experience any challenge that man has not... It will not be allowed. You will not be allowed to have any problem that man has not experienced before. That is what the scripture is saying. 
He says, there is no temptation taking you such as is common to man. Do you have the NIV or some? That's so that the people can understand. He says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. Except what is common to man. So no difficulty, no challenge, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. God is faithful. See, when you are, when you are alone and you encounter problems, you know that God is faithful. He says God is faithful. He will not let you to be tempted. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. So there's no problem that you cannot bear. It is when you can see this that the problem overtakes you. That is when people become psychotic and they are depressed. And you see, problems should not make you depressed. He said, there is no temptation, there is no temptation that has seized you or that will ever seize you. So whatever you have gone through, that you think that this is, this is you see, one time I had some problem in my life that um, I thought, I said, this problem, there's no way out. It's like, how do you come out? You know, it's like no escape. You know, you, are, you approach it this way, you, are, you can approach it. You, you, I mean, sometimes you can analyze some problems yourself. You cannot find any way out. But you realize that God has a way that he will take you out of that problem. And then you look back and you say, how was that possible? He says, he will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able. So you see, whenever the temptation comes, you have to relax. Whenever the difficulty comes, you have to relax because it is not above what you are able. If you feel overwhelmed by the temptation, you are making it so. But the problem should never overcome you because God will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able. Amen. But it's the enemy that makes you feel that this is overwhelming. There is no solution to it. It is temporal. He says that no temptation, no temptation, no difficulty has seized you. You see, sometimes you feel that the, the trial, it has overtaken, it has, I mean, it has come over you. You have no way out. He says it has seized you except what is come unto man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Wow. He will provide a way out. So you need to relax. And you see, look at it. It means that within the problem, within the temptation, there is a way out. Within the difficulty, there is a way out. But you have not sat down to look at it. But if you were to be an alos and look at people who have gone through the problem, you realize that this person went through the same problem and I can imagine when that person was in my state how he was feeling. But I see today that this person is out of that problem. It's always going to be a way out. You just need to relax and look and find an alos and see that I have seen this problem before. I have seen this sister, this brother going through this problem and God made a way out. God will make a way out for me also. 
God will make a way out. But you see, we allow the problem to overcome us such that we can't even see a way out. We can't see a way out. Go to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. John chapter 6 and maybe verse... um, After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were deceased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? He saw the multitude. He saw a large crowd. And he said, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said, you see, he was talking to Philip. And he asked Philip, Where can we find bread? Where can we buy bread? That these people can find food to eat. He saw the multitude. And the Bible says, and this he said to prove him. That means to test him. He said this to Philip to test him. He asked him that question to test him. Why? Because the Bible says, for he himself knew what he would do. He knew what he would do. He saw the problem. He saw the multitude. And he knew a solution in the problem. He knew, he says, there is no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able. And will with the temptation, also with the temptation, with the trial, with the difficulty, also make a way that you'll be able to withstand it or to be able to bear it. He will make a way that you will be able to bear it. He will, with, within the temptation, he says, and, but will with the temptation, with the temptation. That means that we, whenever the temptation comes, there's a solution attached to it. Whenever the trial comes, there's a solution attached to it. He says, and will with the difficulty, with the temptation, he will also provide a way. He, he says, but will with the temptation, also make a way to escape. Escape means to get out of that problem. Get out of that situation. That he may be able to bear it. Go back to John. John chapter 6. It says, and he said this to prove him. For he himself knew what he will do. Philip answered him. You see, this is us. When the problem is there, we can see the solution. So Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them. He has taken away the solution completely because he's looking at the magnitude of the problem. And he says, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. Not like even eat to be full. That even if you were to take peace, 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 peace. It's still not be enough. So he has wiped out solution from if your eyes are on this 200 
pennyworth of bread, then forget it. Even if we have that, perhaps that is the whole church coffers, how much they could buy. You know, and if they were to use their whole money to buy 200, I guess that's what was their offering for the day or something, you know. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said unto him, There is a lad here which had five barley loaves and two small fishes. So it's like, you see, the solution is round there. The solution, the, 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 the escape is right there. God has attached it to the problem that they are facing. But look at him. He brings a solution and then throws it out. He says, but what are they among so many? What are they among so many? What are they among so many? Why did he even say that there is this lad with this? God is making the provision. Beloved, you will look at what he has done before. So God is revealing the solution to them, giving them the answer to the problem, but he sees the problem. You see, the problem has come with the answer, and then he throws it out. Say, but what are they? So he has no value for the answer. He has no value for the solution. The solution is not that complex. So look. So Jesus said, make the man sit down. Make the man sit down. He said, make the man sit down. Make the man sit down. You see, that is when you begin to see Analos. When you sit down and look and see that God has done this before. This person was in the same problem. He said, make the man sit down. And he says, now there was much grass in the place. So the man sat down in the number, about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples. Look at that. He took the same loaves that Peter brought up. Philip asked for Philip. He's looking at the coffers. I don't know where they could even find the bread. But the answer, Peter brought the answer. Peter brought the solution. So he took the same loaves. And when he had given thanks... He distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down. You see, sometimes the problem looks so gigantic. It is so big. But God gives you something small and it doesn't look like anything close to the solution. But just give thanks to God what he has given you. Just give him thanks and see what he will do with that little that he has placed in your hands. Just give thanks. Give thanks to where he has brought you. Give thanks to what he has done for you. You want this thing so badly. You want to be here so badly. But just give him thanks for what he has given you to sustain you to even continue to have that problem. Just give thanks. Just give thanks. So look at that. He says, when he has taken it, it looks so small. Look at 5,000. And then five loaves of bread. He took the loaves. And when he had given thanks for those few loaves, he distributed to the disciples. And the disciples to them that were set down. I don't know. You see, I don't know if you are hungry and you are looking for. I don't know why it says them that are set down. Perhaps there were some people that were looking at the five loaves that he was holding and they were standing. Maybe they didn't give them some. I'm not sure. Because they say, we won't sit down. 
<laughs> you have five loaves in your hand. You are commanding us to sit down. <laughs> so he says, give to them. I don't know. He said, I mean, the scripture could have just said, give to them. Give to the men. Isn't that so? But he says, he gave it to the disciples to be given to them that were set down. And likewise of the fishes, as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore, they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remain over and above unto them that had eaten. 12 baskets left over. 12 baskets. And I don't, I, I, I mean, I, someone says that there's no number in the scripture that is there for nothing. Do you understand? But I'm reading the scripture and I said, why 12 baskets? Is it 12 baskets so that each one of the disciples will have evidence of what happened? That there were five loaves and you are carrying one full basket because perhaps one disciple cannot carry two baskets on his head. But each one was, had the evidence of seeing that there are several other loaves left. That each one of them will see that there, is, there was something. We fed 5,000 and I could feel it in my hand that there was an extra basket in my hand. That I also carried an extra basket even to take home to my family. Is somebody understand what I'm sharing with you? After the, is there another verse with that? Is it, then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did said, this is of a truth, the prophet that should come into the world. Very nice. You see, so this has happened. And then go to Mark chapter, I believe Mark chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. And verse 5. You know, for the sake of time, let's read the New Living Translation, if you, verse, Matthew 16 and verse 5. Matthew 16, verse 5. He says, later, after they crossed to the other side of the lake, I'm talking about Alos, you see, giving the evidence so that you will know that that which has been is that which shall be, that there is nothing new under the sun. There were how many disciples? How many baskets? So you can't say that I didn't see it. Do you understand? You can't say that I didn't see when something happened that last time. So now here, it says later, after they crossed to the other side of the lake, the disciples discovered they had forgotten to bring bread. They had forgotten to bring bread. Watch out! Jesus warned them. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. At this, they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. They began to argue with each other and blaming one another. Hey, today too, you didn't bring the bread. (laughs) You know we were going out. You were carrying the offering bowl. You didn't get any bread. So they were arguing with each other. Because Jesus said, beware of the yeast of the Sadducees. Jesus knew what they were saying. So he said, 
You have so little faith. You have so little faith. Why are you arguing with each other about having no bread? Why are you arguing about having no bread? Don't you remember? Don't you remember even yet? Do you not remember? Don't you know that that which has been is that which shall be? That there is nothing new under the sun. That we will go to a place where we don't have any bread, but we can feed 5,000. He says, don't you remember, even yet, each one of you carried a whole basket. You can't say you didn't see. You can't say you do not remember. That which has been is that which shall be. There is nothing new under the sun. So he says, don't you remember? Don't you understand? Don't you understand even yet? Don't you remember the 5,000 I fed with five loaves and the baskets of leftovers that you people picked up? On your head, each one of you. I made you carry a whole basket home after five loaves. Don't you remember? A loss. It's a powerful thing. If you can accept a loss and to say that that which has been is that which has Whatever problem that you are encountering, see that there is a way out. See that God has also made a way. Just sit down. Let the men sit down. And then you will see the solution. If you can only relax, if you can only sit back and see what the Lord has done before, you will see the answer within the problem that is facing you. To know that that which has been is that which shall be. And that there is nothing new under the sun. Put your hands together for the Lord. Our time is up. And then we will pause here and then we continue next time we meet. Clap your hands and stand to your feet. I think our time is up. Oh, if he has done it before, he will do it again. If he has done it before, he will do it again. He says, there is nothing new under the sun. Look at what he has done before. Look at what he has done before. He says, don't you remember? Do you not remember? Don't you remember? Do you not remember? Do you not understand? When I fed 5,000, when I fed 5,000, and still extra baskets full of fragments, were left over for you to carry. Do you not remember? Oh, Lord, we are thankful and we are grateful. He said, do you not remember the baskets, the leftovers that you picked up? That you picked up? That you, each one of you? Lord, we are grateful. We are thankful tonight, Lord, for opening our eyes, oh God, that there is no temptation There is no trial. There is no challenge. There is no difficulty that has taken us, that has seized us, that has come upon us, that we are facing, that we have not made a way for us. That is not common to man. You say there is no temptation that has taken us, such as is common to man. Lord, our problems, they are common to man. Father, what we are facing, it has happened before. 
Father, the challenge that we are facing, the difficulty that we are encountering, it has happened before. He said, there is no temptation taking us, but such as is common to man. But you are faithful. You are a faithful God. You are a faithful God. And you will always make a way for us. You will not allow us to be tempted. You will not allow us to go through any difficulty, any challenge, any temptation beyond that which we are able. But you say with the temptation, with the temptation, with the affliction, with the trial, with the challenge, with that mountain, you will also make provision. You will also make a way within that challenge, within the same problem, lies the solution. Therefore, oh God, we will sit down. We will sit down. We will sit down, oh Jesus. We will sit down and we will look at your hand. We will look at the five loaves that are in your hand. We will sit down. It looks so few, but we will just focus on you. We will sit down and we will focus on what you will do. We give you glory. We give you honor. Our eyes will always be on you. For even when there are just five loaves in your hand, oh God, we know. Even when you have placed just five loaves in our hand, we know what you can do with it. We know how you can multiply it. We know how far that can take us. Therefore, Lord, we will sit down. We will relax in our challenges, in our afflictions. And we will say that your grace is sufficient for us. We glorify your name. We honor you. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen. With all eyes closed and every head bowed, you are here tonight. You are saying, Pastor, pray with me. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to receive Jesus Christ in my life. If that is your prayer, tonight wherever you are just lift up your hand and i'll pray with you you are saying pastor pray with me i want to receive jesus christ as my savior if that is your prayer lift up your hand and i'll pray with you is there anyone here like that anyone here like that lord we are thankful and we are grateful we praise you we adore you we glorify your name in jesus name amen Clap your hands together for Jesus and you may be seated. We hope you have been blessed immensely by this message. Join us at 1734 Williamsbridge Road in the Bronx on Sunday afternoons and Tuesday evenings. For copies of this and other messages, contact us via email at lci.bronx at gmail.com